You know how when you meet someone and you think you like them, but then the more you talk to them, you see parts you don't like? The boy I saw today is different. I like every part of him, especially his hands. Hello? <laughs> don't be mad. You've been my friend my whole life. I need a real friend. So what do you do, May? I work at the animal hospital. When I left for vacation, my dog had four legs. Now, she only has three. You can't sew it back on, can you? I could. Oh, you crazy bitch! Actually, I kind of liked it. Does this stuff freak you out? Nothing freaks me out. Jeez, you're a nasty little thing, aren't you? You don't think I'm weird? Whoa, Jesus Christ! You feel weird doing this. Oh, God, I'm bleeding. I know. This is weird. You like weird. Not that weird. Lionsgate Films presents. I'm sorry if things didn't work out between us. I'm not gonna be your friend. Farid! Shut up! If you can't find a friend, make one. The story of a girl. What you reading about? Amputation. Who only wanted. You have a beautiful neck. I love your hair. You have really beautiful legs. I love your tattoo. The perfect friend. You're gonna look perfect. <laughs> I need more parts. May. I know you would never hurt me, May. <laughs> I am from beyond. Listen. And all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Shockphobia Fest. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Shockphobia Fest, a month-long celebration of All Hallows' Eve's most frightening films and comic spooks. And I have the originator of Shockphobia Fest back once again. She wasn't here last year, but she's back to celebrate a very underseen, underrated film, which is Carrie uh, Meets Frankenstein, uh, set around Halloween. And it is May in October. So I'd like to welcome back Rasheen. How are you, Rasheen? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me back. Anytime, anytime. You're one of my favourite guests, one of my most popular (laughs) as well. Thank you. How have you been? I'm very good. I'm very good. Uh, I'm enjoying all of the the Halloweeny stuff um, mm-hmm. that we've been doing. Um, our last episode was on a, a comic book uh, prequel to Trick or Treat, uh, the oh, film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll have to listen to that. It's a really good little little comic. Um, so That's yeah, exciting. again. Yeah. Yeah, it's again, it's another like anthology, um, but it's like instead of one night on Halloween, it's all over the different. Yeah. It's kind of introducing the uh, America to the the Irish tradition of Halloween and everything. So yeah, great. And yourself? Uh, we started shopping for Halloween stuff in June. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. I know you're a fan. <laughs> in previous years, when we go to TK Maxx, we went in October. Everything had sold out. The year after we went in September, there was like a candle, just something broken. TK Maxx are actually quite bad for continuing to try and sell things at the original price, even mm. though like half of it's missing. And basically we've, we've come to the conclusion that they actually start selling Halloween things at the end of June. Right. So we've been going a few weeks and just buying a little something just to add to the collection. It's probably the only like collectible thing I collect. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I've put a ban on now. I'm not allowed to spend any more money. I've had me a lot. Yeah, I had my first pumpkin spice flavored coffee thing today. So Ooh, yeah, very I'm, I'm ready for autumn. 
Yeah, I, I, it's one of my it's one of my favorite seasons. You know me, I like horror films all the way through the year. Yeah. Um, but there's something a little special about about the season, and that's why we do uh, this podcast. But before uh, before we go on off a tangent, just talking about how much we love Halloween, which is great uh, as it is every year, um, I'd like you to tell the audience about this film. You introduced me to this film. I watched it um, around, I think, around this time last year or a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago now. Um, so tell us a little bit about May from 2008, because the director, Lucky McKee, has got a new film coming out called Old Man with Stephen Lang. Yeah, so Lucky McKee has obviously directed this film. He's already he's also directed The Woman and Darling. And if you've seen Tales of Halloween, he does the segment Ding Dong. Mm. Which is the I think it's Hansel and Gretel, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think yeah, it's the one with the witch. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we 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 covered that actually the first year of Shockphobia Fest as well, as we covered oh. Trick or Treat as well. So when we were when we were doing our Scream Queens, me and Dan were on the other episode uh, covering Trick or Treat and Tales of Halloween. Oh, they're brilliant. I'm so I'm really looking forward to watching them. So uh with May, one of his first films, it did slip under the radar, I think, even though it's got a very young Angela Bettis, Jeremy Sisto and Anna Faris, yeah. which is always a bit of a shocker. Um, it's a really good, although it's only uh, briefly mentioned that it is set really around Halloween. Mm. It's not an out-and-out Halloween-themed movie, I would say, but it's a very slow-paced book quite visceral little horror movie I think very unsettling uh, I would encourage people to watch it just because all the performances are brilliant it's quite comical in some parts as well and it's just a very awkward film for awkward teenagers <laughs> I think. awkward young adults uh, that people can connect to in some way hopefully not homicidal maniac <laughs> kind of connection but it is very much that it's not if you're going in with thinking it's going to be like an out and out horror movie or a, an mm -hmm. out and out slasher movie i think that you'd be disappointed it's more of a mm -hmm. it's arguably more of a like a psychological thriller i'd say um more in line with something like joker like the joker film it's that someone just slowly but surely just coming apart and becoming more and more mentally unstable. And I, and I think this film does it really, really well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot as well? May is a young woman who was born with uh, what a mother calls a lazy eye and has struggled to always make friends and, and struggle to build social like connections. Uh, her mother gives her a doll when she's very young that she's not allowed to take out of the glass case. This, I think her mum said it was the first doll she ever made. And so May's only real friendship and connection she's ever really had is with this porcelain, well, yeah, porcelain doll in a glass case. But as she's going into young adulthood, she's got a job. She's starting to make connections and, and makes, well, meets her first, which is a sexual relationship. First. I guess. Um, I mean... I, I, I mean, she is quite virginial, isn't she? I would say she's yeah. somewhat, somewhat virginial because she says she's never had a boyfriend. She's, mm. um, she's never, never had a friend, let alone a boyfriend. So, so I guess she is somewhat virginial. I think it is implied that she has sex in one of the yeah. scenes with one of the characters. Um, you know, and then she attempts to have sex with another character. Um, so yeah, I, th I think she probably. I, I would. I mean, even if she has had sex before, she may have done, or mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I, I don't think it's been anything. I, th I think she says about her friendships and and the way people just kind of dispose of her and stuff. So I don't. I think it's it's kind of implied that she is a virgin without saying that she is a virgin. But that would yeah. fall in the kind of horror tropes that we talk about and we've talked about before as well. But yeah, so it's it's. We meet May really when I think she finally gets her contact lenses to, in air quotes, correct her lazy eye. And I guess that maybe gives them more confidence to finally start exploring these relationships. And unfortunately, they don't really turn out very well. <laughs> and we slowly, as you mentioned before, we slowly watch May's descent into madness, which is probably fueled by the rejection. And she wants to present because her, her her mother, it's very brief at the start of the film, but we get a kind of her kind of mental state, the what what's been instilled in her by a her mother. Her mother is like, you're gonna be perfect. 
We're going to give you an eye patch. We're going to cover up that eye. You know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But all the while, the mum's kind of telling her, don't worry about it. But then she's like, we're going to make you perfect. We're going to, you know, there's all these societal and patriarchal ideas that, you know, um, oh, you've got a a small imperfection. So we've got to, we've got to hide it. We've got to, you know, put Mm -hmm. that or no one will like you if they notice this. I like kids come up to her and say, are you a pirate? And then then she says no. And then the kids are like, right, well, we don't care then. (laughs) It would have been more interesting if you were a pirate. But yeah, it's it's saying, the film itself, I think is saying a lot about society's high beauty standards and and what people expect of us and expect us to look and dress like and be like. And I think it's a real nice, um, it's a real nice kind of, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a message that they bang you over the head with, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's very much the undercurrent. And the and one of the lines the mum says as well is um she made this doll, but you can't take it out because it's perfect. Don't don't ruin it, don't touch it, you know. And we we hear the line as well, which Angela Bettis uses later in a different context. Um, if you uh, don't have a friend, uh, make one. I think I'm paraphrasing there, but uh that's <laughs> what she says. So so that's why she made the doll in her youth. And now May is making her own doll. That's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell, I'd say, unless yeah. I missed anything. I, I always got confusion. No, no. I think, it, I think it's a pretty, again, it's a very A to B plot. There's not many kind of twists and turns. I don't, it's not very complex. Um, but sorry, yeah. you're going to say something? Yeah. It was just uh, to add on what you said earlier about it, more, it being more of a psychological thriller. I would definitely agree more. If you, if you liked Black Swan or Nocturne, or these kind of movies that fill you with dread within the first five minutes, you go, oh, this isn't going to turn out very well, is it? It's one of those kind of, yeah, one of those kind of uh, journeys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Black Swan's a really good comparison to make, I think, um, because it, again, it is about that pressure of fitting in and being perfect and no mistakes ever. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a really good good comparison of of the two. Um, I I think I'll be honest. I think Angela Bettis is amazing in this. I think yeah. she is utterly incredible. I think the the performance is really engrossing, and I think the ending is only that more tragic. Yeah. Um, but we won't talk about that just yet. But it's only yeah. that more tragic because you like her and you want her to succeed. Yeah, I agree. I think you. You don't really know where where it's gonna go. I'd say as you're watching the movie, mm. you've got this impending doom kind of feeling, like something's going to happen. You don't really know if something's gonna happen to May because she is so socially almost inept that <laughs> she's gonna read some signals incorrectly and and get end up in a situation where she's gonna end up really hurt. But you do know something's going to happen. And it's. I think it's a good film because you don't know, like, mm. and you do. You do just feel for. I agree. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of the the more kind of empathetic you feel to a horror villain. That I think it's one of the better performances. And again, I think the people that are going in for like a slasher film would would be really disappointed with something like this. Mm-hmm. There are slasher elements, and there's kind of, uh, as we've said, like Frankenstein elements and Carrie elements, and you know. But I I think you're here for that psychological, you know, that constant breaking down all the way through. One of my favorite things, I don't think I noticed this last the last time I watched it, is when she accidentally breaks the the cabinet that her doll is in, Susie, the doll is in. Mm-hmm. And all the way through the film, you slowly are hearing the glass crack as Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's like all the way through and it's 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 yeah. gradual at the beginning and she kind of hears it and snaps around and she's like is everyone else hearing that noise and mm-hmm. and obviously her growing mental instability is is linked mm-hmm. to the to the uh the glass case that Susie is in and when that breaks um that's that's game over basically she's oh yeah i think when you get to that scene in the film with the the children and the glass yeah go, oh here we go this yeah. is when everything's gonna kick off. And yeah, and you feel all these instances, she's she's not really she's not really caused them. She's not really 
you know, she's not actively, she's just, she just wants a friend and you, a totally human thing. And we all understand that. And we all want to, you know, uh, impress people or get them to like us in, in some form, I guess, deep down. And, and yeah, and we, we see that, but she's never actively doing anything to, to cause harm, really. It's, it's more like accidental initially or that she thinks they want her to do this <clears throat> so she's like self-harming as well in the film that that becomes a, a thing so if you if you're uh if you're if you're triggered by self-harming probably not the film for you because it is uh quite throughout basically mm-hmm. and we we see that there's several people that you know there's uh anna faris's character is great at, at work at her veterinarian mm-hmm. office i think she, yeah. uh, anna faris is great in this as well like she yeah, yeah. it's nice it's nice to see her in a obviously it's a somewhat comical role and yeah she's, she's playing the kind of the you know the not not a femme fatale but kind of like a darker sexual uh kind of character very sexual character and a lesbian character as well which is really mm-hmm. cool and really interesting and she there is humor to the performance and the character but it's nice to see her in a kind of a, a more serious role than because she's mostly yeah. known for doing these goofy comedies isn't she yeah i think this film she the character's in on the joke like she yes. knows she's being stupid she knows she's being quirky and that she's doing it probably to flirt with everybody she comes into contact with <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it is, it is great to see her in that kind of role so early on in her career as well i think she kind of, well yeah i think obviously once she got a scary movie yeah. They were like, hey, the perfect spot for you to make lots and lots of money. Go that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I think she's great in, I think that trajectory has really helped her career anyway. I think maybe, you know, perhaps we would get, she would have had a totally different career, you know, if mm-hmm. she'd carried on doing films like this. And I think she would have been good. I think she would have been interesting. But, you know, that's the way her career went. And it's been very successful. And but yeah, I think she's great in this. I love again. It was on this rewatch. It was a lot of like the little key moments I was picking up on, like like when when May comes in and Anna Faris's character is flirting with her. She's like, um, she she sees her coming in, so she sticks her thumb in her mouth and is like, mm, mm, trying to be sexy, and it doesn't work. She just walks straight past. She's like, all right, okay. Um, and I also notice Adam with his beautiful beautiful hands. Um, uh, when the first time he's they're eating and she's he's like I love weird I love disgusting disgust me and she goes guts everywhere dog died and <laughs> and then the next time they're eating she goes you won't believe what happened at work today and then he puts his fork down because <laughs> he, he knows <laughs> knows it's going to disgust him so he puts it down and doesn't eat so there's there's these really cool little tiny details uh, that I really appreciated this time round those little moments. Um, I am quite glad as well that it it wasn't like I, th- I think with a lot of these films they go for like if if it's something like this I'm I'm glad it was a kind of a minor uh, physical problem that she had that it wasn't like full face disfigurement or um, you know a really large birthmark or something I, I don't know but because I think yeah. I think there's the obviously the horror monsters are obviously mostly you know ugly or hideous things or you know disgusting I like that it was a subtle key thing that that again people could easily relate to i know several people with yeah. with uh again with that problem um mm-hmm. and i think it was a really nice sort of way of of telling this story but also getting a sense of the character quite early on and what she she feels and and identifying with her yeah no i agree i think it would have been a completely different film if it was maybe like an access uh, disability or mm. Large birthmark. I'm just. I can't get the elephant man out of my head now. Um, I'm <laughs> different films. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. There is, there is that, there is that. Like that's a like a major. He has obviously has a major condition. Um, and again, I think like you were saying, it would be a totally different film. And and obviously, there's there's no kind of getting around something like that. In a, in a sense, you have. That's what the story has to be about. But with this. It's again, it's an it's an undercurrent which I like, and it doesn't it doesn't take away, but it adds an, another level of uh, complexity and intrigue and uh, to the film that we that we wouldn't have otherwise. I think, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's such a, a unique um, such a unique kind of film. And I was looking I was looking it up, at, and and like the the re- the reviews are great for it. Like the reviews. Uh, audience and critically it was really good roger ebert liked it you know um, <laughs> and he doesn't like anything uh 
<laughs> so it, you know, there's that's something to be said. Um, I also I also found out there's a there's a follow up set in the same universe. I was looking on IMDb, and then I was as I was scrolling down, it said, "Oh, this film follows this film," and I went, "Okay, I wasn't aware of this." I think it's called Roman from 2006. And Lucky McKee plays a guy who's slowly going unstable, but the director uh, is Angela Bettis. Oh, no way. Yeah. So cool. I didn't know. I've never heard of that before. No, ne- neither have I. I. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, what's this? Um, so yeah. apparently May is somehow referenced in that film. So saying it's in the same universe type of thing. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I'll have to I'll have to check that one out. I want, I'd like to know how they That's reference it. Yeah. See yeah. if how good looking the kids are acting. I'm not sure they've seen acting anything. So yeah, I'll check that out. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's he's in the film as well. He cameos as obviously he's the bloke who's kissing the beautiful woman in the elevator, isn't he? So. Oh uh, right. <laughs> so yeah, of course, of course, the director's going to give him that role, isn't he? I, I do enjoy seeing. It is mostly horror directors. I think that, that off the top of my head, but maybe it's because I watch horror films the most. But uh, that I see directors cameoing in the films like Stephen King or Eli Roth. T. West, I'm trying to think if he's cameoed. He does a lot in the horror community, like he'll direct his own films but then act in other, like his friends' films and that kind of thing. I do see horror directors in their own films quite a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they usually full, there's full of them, like Mitch Garris or John Landis or yeah. you know, tons. Of, they're always, there's always some popping up. Joe Dante, I think Joe Dante, Fills his films like like the Howling has Roger Corman in and loads of other John, Jonathan yeah. Kaplan and some other characters as well some other either writers directors actors you name it but I think that mm-hmm. just goes to show how much love there is and and uh, camaraderie in the horror community and mm-hmm. you know in the horror films in general as well uh, have you so you have you seen his other work Lucky McKee because I don't think I have. Um, how would you, how, what What does he do best, would you say? What I was mentioning before about the, you're not sure which way the film's going to go, like there's a fork in the road, it can either go down this way or go down that way. Like with the woman, I mean, it has been so long since I watched, probably like eight years ago when I saw that one. You know something bad's going to happen, you know something is going to happen to the main character, but whether they're going to be the antagonist or the protagonist you you Mm. can't really tell it's going to hit a fork in the road Mm. and they don't he doesn't really give too much away about which which road this main character is going to go down Mm. definitely with the woman i'm trying to think of the ding dong segment in tales of halloween as well yeah i think she's see that ending coming yeah that's (laughs) i really enjoyed that segment I, i i think i confused it with another segment which i didn't like so much but that when you mentioned like the witch and and the coming to the doors and the children like all the arms grow out and everything I'm think, starting to think. Oh no, I'm starting to worry now. That's not. Are you that starting to think it's the other one? Okay. Uh, well, if it was, it's it's not his best work. But I, but I love this. Sorry, Lucky Mickey, we're just slagging you off now. Uh, but this this film, I think he does seem to go again for like female protagonists or antagonists, if you will. Like his, there seems to be a focus on the the kind of feminine journey in these films. Like from what I can see of his filmography, it's almost entirely the leads are usually women. Um, is, do you think? Uh, do you think this one is? Is there a feminist message within this film? Do you think? Probably the pressures put on women, like you said, to look a certain way and act a certain way. And like you said, my mum said, "There's nothing wrong with you, but we're going to hide it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love you. You're beautiful, but not enough for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep this family dirty secret <laughs> from the world, and we'll mm-hmm. hide. Your imperfections, even though your daughter, my daughter, and I love you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of these stories now. Like Disney are doing it a lot with the kind of generational trauma as well. Like we're seeing a lot of kind of the the trauma is being passed down and the the insecurities are being passed down and passed on to the children and. Mm. And the pressure and and the things that are put on, and I think that that's what this film does really well. Apparently, there was going to be a lot more kind of scenes uh, involving May's childhood, but they felt that they just kind of kept the key scenes. And they they wanted to just get to the point. They wanted to get to the story, which I think, in a way, 
is a good thing um, because it it gives you everything you need within that short few scenes. I think. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to. You don't really need to spoon feed and tell them everything. I think the audience can kind of piece together what she kind what she kind of went through as a child with a mother like that. And I think what her mum instilled into her as a child just ultimately leads to a demise really and it's all built around her desire to be perfect and maybe to impress her mum and to probably feel loved by her mum I don't want to give too much away but that kind of leads to the demise of all the different relationships that she encounters is because she's focusing on everyone's perfections and ultimately trying to get this friend that she's never had probably to impress her mum and probably to again feel loved by somebody and finally feel that love that she never got from her parents or specifically a mother if that made any sense whatsoever it does it does well it sounds like she's looking for that missing part which yeah. is it which is in line with this like she she looks at people so she meets this mechanic called adam played by jeremy sisto and he has the most beautiful hands and she's fixated um in a way actually she lit- quite literally objectifies people doesn't she she turns yeah. those those parts of their body into something that she loves and is like oh but these are perfect like yeah you've got this i love i again i i love the moment where she and uh, anna faris's character are uh, getting jiggy let's call it and mm-hmm. and she notices that she has a large mole on her finger mm and it's a massive turn off for her just yeah. that just that little mole and she even says like oh did you ever consider getting that removed and, and yeah. anna faris says oh it's the imperfections that that make you who you are yeah and she she also says my grandma says that and i wonder if that struck a chord mm. whether that may never had somebody to be that nice <laughs> it's lovely as a, as a family member should be yeah we were discussing how kind of virginial she was I think it's unusual that we don't get any mention of the parents after that or reference to them, really, after that scene. Do you think they're alive? Do you think maybe May killed them because of the the pressures that were piling on? Ooh, I don't know, actually. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say she killed them hmm. or maybe she just doesn't speak to them anymore. They might ring her up on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, you can remember Christmas. So-and-so is going to be there. You have to show your face. You have to show that everything's fine, hmm. essentially. Uh, I didn't notice, actually. There was no further mention of her after that scene. But maybe that is, I don't know, a metaphor for kind of coming into a womanhood or like the, probably the biggest rejection she feels, which kind of like descends her into madness hmm. uh, from Jeremy Sisto. By the way, I do love that scene where he shows her, is it his movie? Yeah, he's made a, a kind of a, a fan film, hasn't he? Or a, a student film, I think he says, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he's like, I like weird. And he's trying to be all dark and cool because he probably thinks that's what horror director is going to be like when she's like, oh, I, I I like weird stuff. And yeah, he ultimately realises, oh, actually, no, maybe I'm just a poser. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got all this stuff like like May, like I love the similarities between the two apartments because his is like, you know, there's there's this kind of arty pretentiousness to it, but like and like he's trying to be dark and trying to be a bit weird. And then mm-hmm. he goes he goes to May's apartment and it is that. It is it's yeah. she's not trying to be anything. That's just the way she is. He's yeah. he, he's he's again putting up this pretense of being this you know perfect charming dark mysterious stranger yeah. uh, but she isn't she's forthright with who she is she's she is this is me except me mm-hmm. and everyone's like no that's weird you're wrong yeah. which is really heartbreaking as well and yeah. and it's and and that's the thing you want everything to turn out right for this character but you know all the way through it it's just like a ticking clock you like and and again the cracking of the glass is it gets more and more kind of you know frequent until the case does explode and 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 then after that um so you were talking about the scene with the with the children um so she mm-hmm. goes to 
to um, to help out with blind kids um, at this blind school. And there's one girl in particular she's noticed and she is kind of, she's up, off on her own and she doesn't like talking with people and she has a kind of a kinship with her. And then she brings in the doll and the unfortunately there's a bit of pulling and argy-bargy and the glass breaks and it goes on the floor and they're like, oh, great, we can play with the doll. It's come out of the case now. <laughs> and then they fall on the floor with their hands looking for it and glass gets everywhere. It goes in May's eyes. Um, it's really and 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 this it's pro- arguably the most heartbreaking moment because you're just like, yeah, there's no there's no turning back now. This is just. I was wondering because she's first we're first in- introduced to the blind kids hmm. out in the park, and I wonder if it's because the first time she sees them is with the guy that she likes that she opts to um, volunteer there. Uh, but I do wonder as well if it's because they're blind. That maybe she's got some kind of, oh, well, they can't see the imperfections or they can't see what everyone else has been saying to me for years. So maybe she feels more like, well, just safe with those kind of children. Because the the woman at the desk is like, I have a specific type of blind children that you want to look after. Because she's like, why do you care which group you're looking after? Why specifically that one? Mm. But yeah, which I yeah, I like. I, yeah, I, th- I think she's. I think she wants to look after that or meet that girl that she spotted at the park. I think that's specifically mm. why she's looking for that. But yeah, mm. I didn't. Th- I didn't think of that because again, they don't notice the insecurity. They don't. They won't see the eye. They won't see. You know, they won't see her, but they'll sit physically. Mm-hmm. But they'll they'll know her. You know, know her and open up to her emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Um, mm-hmm. But then, but then we know that it's not just a physical imperfection. We know that it's there's a mental problem as well. There's something inside her that's a little bit, you know, it, which is not perfect. The part is yeah. missing. And uh, and that's and that's what again comes out. You know, she loses a job. She gets the glass in her eye. And at this point in the film, it's it's theorized. I read on IMDb that the rest of the film is an hallucination after the injury in her eyes and everything. Ah, okay, I could see that again. Yeah. Very very much Black Swan. Um, I've mentioned before Nocturne as well. You should definitely give that one a watch if you're not already. It's Sydney Sweeney. Oh, I love her. I love her. In in many ways, I love her. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's a really good one. Again, A Descent into Madness. You don't really know what's real and what's not, especially by the last third of the film. But yeah, no, I didn't actually clock that with May, Mm. but 100% that could be be exactly what Lucky McKee was going for. Yeah, because there's... There's there's a lot of like arguably right at the end again we won't go into that but there is arguably a hallucination then <laughs> and yeah. and again she's right after this horrible injury we see her eyes a, a bloodshot and she's got huge issue with her eyes um, but the next day she's seemingly fine and she's more confident yeah. she carries herself uh, more confidently she speaks her mind she's very direct and knows what she wants um, and yeah. it's it's almost like that's the her perfect version of herself and then she's going and getting exactly what she wants but then and, you could you could argue it the other way as well yeah and just well i noticed by that this like last third of the film she's almost dressed like the doll like she's almost yeah the costume exactly like the one the doll was making so maybe she's thinking i'm just gonna be her from now on and not may anymore because nothing's going right for may I always want to rewatch it now, now that you've mm. told me that theory and see, yeah, just see what I think about that. I read as well that the the director, Lucky McKee, was in this character was inspired by the film The Fisher King. Have you seen that? Robin Williams? No. There's a no. there's a character, there's a character. Do you know Amanda Plummer? Actress yes. Amanda Plummer. Yeah, she's in Pulp Fiction. She's yeah. one of the one of the two that try to rob the place. And yeah. and she's known for playing a little like kooky characters, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently that whole kind of performance and character is based on her character in the film, in The Fisher King. Um, I, I just watched a few clips just to give, get an idea, and I can definitely see it. There's something there's something there 
that's that's here in this in this performance and in this film. So yeah, I'd like I, I'll probably I'll probably watch it at some point in full just to get yeah. a better idea. Um, it's Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams. I think he's a homeless person. I'm not not entirely sure. It's something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I did notice you were talking about the the costume as well. Obviously, it all ramps up to the finale at Halloween. And again, it is it's not a big part of the plot, but we yeah. see like Anna Faris early on stabbing stabbing an eye out a dodgy eye out of the uh, out of the pumpkin, and mm. and we see you know that sort of thing. And when, then there's a few more references to it. What you're doing for Halloween? I'm going to dress up as this. What are you dressing up as? And then it all happens on Halloween. The the events of the kind of final act. And I was I was wondering. I was like, she's walking around with this massive like ice cooler, and it's it's covered it's covered in blood. Okay. And I was like, how is she getting round with nobody making a comment? And then I went, oh, you idiot! It's Halloween. Yes. And someone does say. Oh, she's like, oh, cool costume. You got a cold one in there? Like about the the cooler. But yeah, um, I did think, how big is this bloody cooler? And then I'm like, oh, right, okay, it's not full. <laughs> full bodies. Full bodies. Yeah, yeah, it's not full bodies in there, but no. parts. Just yes. the parts. I need parts. I need more parts. Um, Have you seen um, pieces? No, no, but it's on the list. There's a very... Yeah, as you mentioned Frankenstein before, there's a there's a bit of a uh, a similarity with the end. I've heard I've heard torso is quite similar as well. Oh, that's in torso. Yeah, I've heard that's fairly similar. Um, mm. But yeah, and uh, I I also like the another subtle thing I quite liked as well is is how they show that she's quite unusually strong or she's stronger than than she thinks. You know when she's kind of, um, you know when she's doing stuff with Jeremy Sisto and he's and she's throwing him around and like and he's oh, like yeah. whoa whoa ow Ugh. you know and he's and she's yeah. he's like what are you doing and it's kind of like it's it's kind of subtly implying the kind of things she does earlier she has the strength to to do it you know she's yeah. physically able um, to to do the things she does later quite and almost almost you know going through bone in almost one stroke. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I'm. I did miss that, but I do like that. I like that we didn't have to watch a scene with a bench pressing. Like, <laughs> like, oh, this this character is really strong. Um, no, I like how they did that. That's really clever. Yeah, and as well, I don't know if being a vet did that. Yeah, because she does quite just cut through bone and stuff with the animals and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of implied. So yeah, she does have. She knows a way around the human body. She knows yeah. where the points are. Um, yeah. yeah, fair enough. I have to talk about this guy with this dog. Guy Ooh. with the three leg. The guy with the three legged dog. Yeah, he comes in. He says, "I've been away for three weeks, and I came back, and my dog is missing its leg." And you don't see the dog. We don't hear from the dog. We just, we just like, help me, please, help me. And they're like, okay, right. Um, and and then later on, he brings in the paw. That you found is like I found the paw. Can you reattach it? And May's like, yeah, of course. And again, it's it's something that should be you know impossible, really. But it, it kind of shows again. It's a foreshadowing for what she's going to do later and the kind of thing she wants to do later. Yeah. Um, but I, I was just like, you've, you've you've chopped off your dog's leg, mate. Stop lying. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was a bit of a yeah, just a weird kind of scene where I'm like, is this a cheese dream? Like, what's what's actually going on but maybe yeah a bit of a nod to what is actually reality or mm. like you said is this in her head or does she find this leg somewhere i don't know was that guy <laughs> even real because mm. yeah you do kind of go well what have you done yeah how have you done that to your poor dog it's a very bizarre scene i will give you that <laughs> it was just it was just so out of place i was just like yeah. kind, kind of funny but also like I, I don't know if maybe there was another scene with him like that kind of completed the story or but maybe yeah, I think I think maybe so. But they were just like, we're we're going to be really weird and just pop that in because. But it does fit with that kind of dark humor, that black humor tone. Um, I re I really enjoy when she's trying to be sexy as well. Angela Bettis is is trying to be sexy and she's kind of awkwardly doing all these sexy poses and things. Uh, that's that's just for Roisin's benefit. Me doing all the poses. Uh, no one's going to see this. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I love that she's again like it's playing up to that stereotype or that that perceived. You know what is sexy? 
in society. Like she thinks, oh, I've got to pose and do all this. Um, but actually he's like, no, I just, I like you for you until he yeah. doesn't. <laughs> I wonder if she's trying to mirror Anna Faris's character at all. I'd like to go and rewatch that and just see if mm. she's, if she does copy anything that Anna Faris does, because Anna Faris is so blatantly flirting with her yeah. all the whole way through the film. Yeah, she doesn't suck her thumb, does she? Doesn't she bite his thumb? Yeah, so there's a scene where yeah. they, they finally get close enough together. Like, she meets him and, and is is fondling his hands while he's asleep. And he's like, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, God, uh, I really like your hands, bye. Um, and then she meets him a couple more times. And we we get to a point where they're comfortable with each other that they they go to have sex, and uh, they've just watched the film that you're talking about. And the film, the student film that Sisto's made, uh, Adam's made, is basically a couple in a picnic having a picnic, and they just start eating each other like cannibals, and um, and they go and have sex, and then she bites his lip, and then he starts bleeding everywhere. And then she oh, yeah. starts kind of like rubbing it on herself and like, you know, in her hair and everything. And he's like, what are you doing? She's like, she's like, I'm being weird. You like weird. He's like, not that I mean. fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he kind of, he kind of goes, cause it was like, she's like, no, come on. And she rubs it in his hands as well. And I, I love that every time she speaks to him, she always kind of just, she she's glancing at the hands every time they meet. Yeah. Like she's looking like the same with all the characters. She's like on that perf- perfect bit. Even when she meets Anna Faris's new girlfriend, she she's like, oh, nice gams. Nice gams. <laughs> oh, I said to myself, I wanted to check this out. I wanted to find out um when Ginger Snaps came out and when this came out, because there's the scene in the kitchen with the milk and the blood. And I was like, hang on a second. Oh shit, yeah. Ginger snaps. But yeah, I just yeah, it just made me think. Oh, I wonder which one came out first. I will say that on the IMDb when I when I was scrolling down when I found that other film, um, it was the the first film that was like some films you also might like was Ginger Snaps, and I can definitely oh, see, really? yeah, I can definitely see some links. Uh, so Ginger Ginger Snaps came out two thousand, and then uh, this came out two years later. So this is okay. so. So we we covered that on Chalk Phobia Fest as well with Nathan and Hannah. Um, so that was twenty years old, and this film is twenty years old. This oh, year. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but uh, I don't think Angela Bettis has aged a day. I watched her in a film the other week, um, a few months ago, called uh, Something of the Ozarks for for the Grim Fest podcast, and and she's great in it. She's fantastic. She's got a very small role, but she's good. Yeah, yeah. I first saw her in the, I think it was the TV movie of Carrie. Oh yeah, uh, she did the remake. Yeah, was it the TV version? I, feel, I, I watched it on TV. Um, yeah, I feel like it was a TV movie version. Made for TV film, something. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'll be perfectly cast. And she's literally looked the same for twenty years. It's crazy. She's yeah, she's as well. Uh, which which one? Girl interrupted. She's only got a very small part. You know, with Winona Ryder and. Uh, oh God! And- yeah, what a great movie. Yeah, very small role, but she's fantastic. Yeah, well, I think everybody's fucking great in that film, to be honest. Oh, God. <laughs> so they did have, like, an Oscar for, like, ensemble. That oh, one's so good. So, 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 so good. But, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think that, that that's what you're here for. You're here for her performance. Everything else is great, don't get me wrong. Um, the music is in, there's some interesting choices with the music around this sort of time. I wasn't, I was like, I was listening and I was like, I was like, is this bad music? I was like, is this like, is this aging the film? And I was like, not really, not really. I, th- I thought it was fine, the music. Um, I do worry going back and watching these films. I think like Ginger Snaps, it's not really aged too poorly in in yeah. regards to, um, again, the fashion sense and the, and the music and the, all the styling and everything. Yeah, absolutely. We we there are a lot of similarities between the two. Not obviously not the same, but I think it would make for a, a good Halloween double bill if that's what you're doing this year. I think um, back oh, to yeah, back. Definitely. It's definitely. a very like a macabre, yeah, psychological thriller. Yeah, definitely a good double bill. And again, it's it's that story of like a woman coming into her own, and um, you know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That sort of thing. That's the tagline of. Lucky McKee's the woman. Ah, right. There we go. There we go. It's all linked. It's all linking together. <laughs> but yeah, we do. There is, um, we've talked about it before. There's this kind of 
um, there's a kind of a theme where women are embracing their femininity and embracing their power, feminine power, and that is terrifying to obviously the the patriarchy and the male world, um, mm-hmm. and 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 this this kind of fits in with that as well. Like we see that she doesn't really give a fuck anymore. She's not going to subscribe to that way of thinking. She just goes, yeah. no, I know what I want. I know what I'm going to achieve. I know how to do it. Um, and I'm going to do it. And, and yeah, I thought, I thought it's a, uh, again, won't, won't spoil the ending, but uh, I think it's a really, really interesting character study. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's mm-hmm. a character study and, and it's, it's, uh, magnificent. I think it's a really solid film. Again, don't go in expecting Halloween or something like that. But mm-hmm. in general, I think it's a solid film. Um, if uh, if you have to kind of um, sum it up, let's say uh, this film, um, how how would you describe it? What would you say about it? What would you say to convince someone to watch it? Again, it's underrated, it's obscure, but it's very it's won awards, it's it's you know, it's gone everywhere, it's been on streaming, it's been on DVD, I'm pretty sure it's on Blu-ray. What would you say to someone who likes horror, who has watched Ginger Snaps, let's say? How would you convince them to watch this? You have to watch this film. For the performances, it's completely underrated, almost like a little hidden gem. And it's set on Halloween night, and not many people know that. So you can watch it on your countdown to Halloween uh, marathons that you do. Get May on there. It's a slow burner, but the the payoff at the end, the last third of the movie is worth it. It's fantastic. Mm. And as you said, a great character study and a cool horror villain villain horror i mean yeah i mean, I mean uh, you, you you famously said to me you were like the kids in carrie deserved it um do you think do you think that <laughs> do you do you think the, the people in this deserved it i don't know I, like when when you were saying like I, I do like how she is unapologetically she's like i don't care anymore it's like yeah within reason like <laughs> <laughs> Gams was a bit of a bitch, but I don't think she deserved that. <laughs> I, I, well, they even they even in Halloween, they dress her up like the stereotypical cheerleader, like in a horror film, and they're yeah. usually the kind of the bitch characters, aren't they? They had cheerleaders. Well, do you know what? Yeah, I don't think I don't even think Anna Faris deserved it either. I actually really liked Anna Faris's character, and I think she's just. She's just a horny gal. She just, mm. she wasn't looking for a relationship. Maybe she should have stated that in the beginning but and yeah I don't think May cared about that anyway I don't think it was a I don't think it was revenge I think it was this is what I want to make and I'm going to go and do that mm. but yeah sorry I went on a tangent as per you no no we love we love tangents here at Prattle World we always go on them um but yeah no I have to agree with you I'm so glad you introduced this movie to me I'm hoping everybody else is going to go out and and watch it and grab a copy if they can if it where it is available actually I found it on an app that I think is a bit like Pluto TV it's called okay. F awesome I think okay. it's meant to be like fucking awesome or something not, <laughs> not awesome but yeah I found that if you search for it on Amazon Prime it says watch free now with this app. Okay, we'll do that, guys. But uh, <laughs> we are slowly coming to an end. It's been really interesting uh, talking to you again. I'm so glad you you found the time as well. I know you're super busy. You're always well, super busy. <laughs> and uh, it's been great. It's been great to have you back. So uh, we'll have you on very soon. I'm going to have Laurie on very soon as well. Um, I've, uh, I was going to have him on earlier, but things happen. Things happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's got he's got a good film which sounds really interesting that we're gonna we're gonna discuss in future. Am I allowed to say what it is? Sure, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, Lords of Chaos. That is that is correct. Yeah, I, I know he's a big Sleepaway Camp fan, so I suggested that, and he was like, "No, no, no, I want to talk about this one." I was like, "All right, whatever you want." So, oh yeah, that is that that's yeah. I can't even get my words out. <laughs> visceral film i've seen in a while yeah i can't wait for that one i think we'll do that early next year i think i'll grab him then um but yeah it's gonna be i'm I'm looking forward to it. i think i found it on youtube as well um so i can watch it there but uh yeah no this has been great so uh rasheen are you uh are you coming back and giving us some amazing makeup this year like last year 
for Halloween? Oh, I've missed it so much now. Literally, everyone keeps asking me to. I'm just Sorry. having a little break at the moment, but no problem. I'm. I am looking forward to. Um, we're going to for the love of horror again this year. Nice. The the cast of Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors are oh, all the, oh, the best one. The best one. I'm so excited. Yeah, so we're really looking forward to that and all the spooky fun. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I posted with my makeup stuff. I'll bring that back. But thank you for asking. No problem. Well, I tell you what, go and check out. I know exactly where it is, where you can find last year's makeup, uh, row.scream on Instagram. And I have to say, it was really incredible. I loved watching you do it every single day. I don't know. I, I think there were a, you do like a fast version, don't you? Like the sped up uh, time lapse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do like a time lapse version of it and and it's incredible what you do and it's amazing and you manage to pull out all these different films and do something totally unique and really interesting so uh go check that out but um you're also on there and your actor profile is on there and you're on twitter as well where can people find you yeah head to rose row.scream that's where I, you can find all the different links to my social media multiverses uh and yeah, all the various things that I'm up to. Uh, definitely go there first. Amazing. Right. Well, thank you again. You've been brilliant as always. Very insightful. And uh, I I really hope we've tickled some some fancies and got people interested in this film. And then you can go out and check out uh, Old Man as well when that comes out for Lucky McKee. Uh, if you like The Woman, which I hear is very good. I tried watching the first one, The Offspring, which isn't by Lucky McKee. And it was really bad, really, really bad. Yeah, because it's a trilogy. I was like, oh, it's a trilogy, so I'll start with the first one. And it was like, nah. Oh, yeah. right. So The Woman is the sequel. Um, and I was, and I think a lot of people don't know that, but then it's probably best they don't. It's probably just start with that one, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. I thought you were talking about The Brood. That was a brilliant film. But, um, no, oh, yeah. no, no, no. The, the Brood is, uh, David Cronenberg's The Brood is amazing. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah, don't, no, don't get confu- get that confused with Offspring. It's just called yeah. Offspring. Uh, not the band and not The Offspring, which is a Vincent Price film. Um, but it's it's all complicated. It's all confusing. Just go and watch The Woman, The Old Man, and definitely watch May. You can find me at Facebook. It's at Secret Balls. Uh, Twitter, it's at Dan underscore Balls. Instagram, Spider Dan Secret Balls. Review, like, share, subscribe, comment and etc. And don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle when you interact with us. If you want to join the Prattalian and to be briefed in full on the secret boards, swing over to prattleworld at www.spiderdownthesecretboards.com. I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon. I am Jack's Musing, Simon Cotton, Paul Meller, Max Burns, Scott Hodgson, Mike Burton, Angry Andy, Tonya Todd, and Tony Farina. Oh. So many now, I have to do it all in one breath. Um, But thank you again for your continuing donations. It is all very much appreciated and helps Prattle World keep on turning. And if you ever find yourself in a position to help the podcast, please consider it. So uh, that is it for Shock for Fest this week. But next week, uh, Rhea Carrigan is coming back and Tonya Todd to talk the cult classic that is The Crow. Bye. 